This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Oton Nolasco. Oton and his partners at Vala Hospitality in Los Angeles have started a powerful new organization called Know Us Without You. They are putting in the work, feeding 660 undocumented families a week and growing. Hear how they started, what's ahead, and how you can help. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Oton. So you said today's a big day for you. You've been building up to this day for three months. What's happening? Uh, today's a big day for us. Um, we are in our office right now, and we are getting delivered today four uh, brand new reach-in refrigerators courtesy of uh, Pepsi-Cola. So two triple-door sliding reach-ins and two double-door sliding reach-ins that um, were donated to us. That's amazing. So the organization you guys started, uh, you and your partners, Aaron and Damien, it's called No No Us Without You. And you guys have been doing the the good and important work of feeding uh, hundreds of undocumented immigrant families in Los Angeles who work in the hospitality business and aren't eligible for many benefits or any benefits from the federal government. Um, I think the state of California passed um, a kind of relief program that has yet to, I think, be all that effective, but good idea. Yeah, the initial uh, proposal that uh, Governor Newsom uh, initiated had an injunction place on it, so that that was was about a month and a half, two months ago. Um, Yeah, we we founded Nuance Without You because we knew that once there was no more paychecks that our undocumented brothers and sisters in the back of the house wouldn't have any money to buy food or pay any bills. How quickly did you spring into action? At what point did you know we have to do something? We saw coming down, you know, the pipeline, the, the pandemic and, and speaking to people smarter than us. And we were operating two different projects and we kind of got those houses in order and you know, speaking to the owners, realizing that this shutdown was going to happen, we actually like shut down a day before. Um, Mayor Garcetti announced that everyone had to shut down in Los Angeles. So we spent the, the next few days getting our own homes in order and trying to figure out how we were going to make everything happen at home. And right away, started seeing a lot of GoFundMe spring up for bartenders and servers, people you see at the front of the house, and it was like everyone forgot very quickly about undocumented back of the house people. They forgot about their prep cooks and their, you know, um, bussers. And it, it really frustrated us. And then we got angry and then we did something. And we just spoke one morning, the three of us, and decided to go buy as, as much food as we could fit in my truck. And come back to our office and figure out how to, you know, uh, package that, cost that out, what does that look like? So we decided on like staples, um, you know, it's definitely very basic, very wholesome food, rice, beans, tortillas, you know, flour, um, root vegetables, nothing, nothing crazy, but it's very nutritious. And uh, my partner Damien actually, when, as we were costing everything out, figured that, you know, most families or most 
back of the house families that we've worked with before have usually, you know, uh, a husband or a wife and, you know, two small children. So we weren't just going to feed one person one time. Uh, Damien brought up the good idea of feeding families every week for as long as we could. In your experience working in hospitality in Los Angeles, can you describe what role undocumented workers play and how big of a part of the industry they are? Yeah, that's, that's a great, great point. Um, they're the heart and soul of, of every bar and restaurant in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I used to think that the percentage of undocumented uh, staff was probably like 30 to 35. And in speaking to several chefs, um, much, much more knowledgeable than I am. And they told me that it was actually higher, probably between 70 and 90%. So, you know, that's, that's pretty astounding when you think about someone working two to three jobs, you know, taking maybe one day off every two weeks or every week if possible. And, you know, savings are almost non-existent because any money that is left over that's extra, if you will, would get sent back home to, you know, Central America or Mexico because they're the ones that are here. They're the ones that made it. So they need to take care of their extended family back home. And how did you start connecting with people with the actual food? I, I know there's an effort made to stay under the radar, to not draw attention to yourself. So how did you start communicating? How did you start distributing? Did you use point people in certain communities? What was, what was the, the process there? Initially, our first week, you know, we, we relied on uh, our friends and family, the, the people that we've worked with over the years. We checked on them right away and let them know what we wanted to do. And then we spoke to a couple of other friends that are, you know, from the house managers, sous chefs, chefs, and asked them to check on, on, their, on their staff. And that's how we grew it for the first, I would say probably – First month, um, we we did very quickly put up a put up like an application form on our on our website, and that that helped a lot. Anytime someone, we got a lot of press initially, so that really helped. You know, uh, LA Times, LA Mag, we were able to kind of get a little bit of, of word out there, so people would contact us via email or DM and say like, Hey, like I have a family that's undocumented. How do I connect them with you? So we would refer them to our, our website. We have a bilingual application um, and it was great. So it really helped us like shorten the time from when someone applied to get them food. You know, if someone applied on a, on a Thursday, um, we could get them into the program the following week. Uh, that, was, that was how it all started. And tell me about how it's grown over, over that period. How many families have you served? How many are you serving now? How many... Our, our repeat yeah uh first 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 day we fed 10 families um you know second day did it again did about a dozen and then um th- that week did another 30 and then it was like 68 the second week and you know a little over 100 the third week and it just kept growing and growing um you know this week we just we're feeding 460 families and we have like the majority of the families we've been feeding them this is our, our the end of our 13th week so we've been feeding most of the same families for three months and you know that was very important to us uh 
with the addition of this refrigeration and some key partners like Secret Lasagna, Feed for All, Vesta Food Service, and Cisco Food Service, we're going to be feeding 660 families next week. That's incredible. It's crazy. That's why I was very excited about building up to this day. Um, my partners entrusted in me uh, to get the infrastructure and get our entire office converted. You know, we don't have a very big office and it was set up for, you know, tasting uh, clients for our consulting business. And we very quickly had to flip this whole thing around. That's why the couch is uh, up, <laughs> upright, not, uh, not the way it's supposed to be behind me. Um, so yeah, 660 families next week will be fed by us. Tell me why hospitality consultants can be such effective advocates for a community. I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, we, my partners and I see ourselves not as like hospitality consultants, but we, we see ourselves as where we started. You know, um, I know myself and my partner Damien were dishwashers. That was our first job in hospitality. And, um, have kind of done every, the three of us have kind of done every job behind the bar except, you know, be a chef uh, in a restaurant. So when, when you kind of see in yourself everyone that you work with on a daily basis, you realize that, you know, it's uh, all hands on deck. No one's more important than anyone else. You know, if, if you don't think that's true, uh, you know, be mean to your dishwasher and have them quit on you mid-service and see how how quickly uh, you, your ship sinks. So I, I think that we, our success comes from two things. It comes from the fact that uh, we don't have any money, but we're very rich in friends. And everyone that we know and love in this industry has reached out to us in, in one way or another and helped us at some point during this three months. And if I had to rattle off all the names, it would probably take two or three minutes um, the second, the second thing is that we treat it like a business from the beginning. You know, like I said, we costed out everything and we, we treated like every dollar that was donated to us and we still do like it was going to be the last dollar we received. So, you know, we, we constantly try to find, you know, uh, better deals and reaching out and, and shopping to get like the best deal possible and like buying in bulk and, and really just trying to get the most bang for the buck for everyone that donated to us. Have the protests in Los Angeles over the last uh, week or so affected your distribution in any way? Oh, they most certainly have. It was a scary time for a lot of our families. Um, you know, we have families coming from all over Southern California um, to pick up food. And, you know, with, with the mayor deciding to change the fucking curfews on a whim with like 30, 40 minutes notice... You know, a lot of people were just like, I'm staying home. Like, I, 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 can't, I, I can't do this. And, you know, we had people get stuck because Metro stopped running, uh, buses stopped running. So my, my partner, Damian Diaz, what he did really quickly was we had already initiated a, a food delivery service. We have some volunteers that take food to some of our more elderly or uh, families that don't have transportation because they've had to sell their vehicles or have had them repossessed. Um, so he, he quickly, you know, called in a few favors, got a, a few close friends of ours to kind of add a few more routes for people that just couldn't make it all the way to us. So it's definitely affected us. You say families are coming from all over Southern California. What's the longest route that you know of? How far are people driving to get I mean, food? We're, we're in Boyle Heights. So we're right over the, 
right over the river from downtown proper. We have families coming from the San Diego Valley, from Long Beach area, South Bay, um, the Valley. Uh, I mean, not very far in miles, but when you think about LA traffic, and, and luckily it has been it's starting to get uh, a lot more congested now, but you know, it could take you two hours to go 10 miles sometimes. So it's, it's tough, especially when you have to take two or three buses and travel three hours to get, to get food. You know, um, that, I think that speaks to how important, you know, providing food security for people that are in danger of not having any food right now. It makes this all worthwhile. What have you learned about undocumented workers that you didn't know before? And it, it, it could, I, that might mean statistically, it also might mean on, on a personal level, who have you gotten to know and whose stories have moved you? Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think what I've, what I've learned is that it really upsets me when undocumented uh, workers are painted as, you know, they're taking our jobs or, or they're seen as, as some sort of negative part of the workforce, which they are not, you know, man, if, if you work two to three jobs and you're working 16, 18 hours a day to provide for your family, like I'll take my hat off and, and shake your hand. Like that, that is, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. You know, um, I think the most important thing we've learned is that, and my partner Damon is amazing at this is these are people that are not used to any type of assistance. They're used to just getting things done. So the, the way that I'm fortunate enough to see him work and this incredible dedication to upholding people's dignities and not making them feel like they're getting a handout, which they most certainly are not, we're just proud to, to be able to feed the people that have been feeding us for years. And we, we constantly let them know that we're humans, feeding humans. You know, if you cut us, we bleed the same. Um, I think that's really important. And that's something that keeps us like really grounded uh, every day. Do you have a sense of, of the nationalities uh, in, involved here, where people are coming from and, and which kind of communities you're serving within the Oh yeah, the we, we speak to everyone. So, I mean, it's every part of Mexico, it's every part of Central America. Uh, I mean, yeah, you name it. Like we've, we speak to a lot of different people uh, from a lot of different places who, who came to this country for, for one goal, and that was to have a better life for their family. You know, and it's, it's great to see them, you know, so, so grateful still. Like, we haven't spoken to anyone that's like, you know, I would say down on America. You know, they're, they just see it as like part of the journey. Jeez. It's, it's remarkable that, you know, we're talking about about 2.2 million undocumented workers in California. And that's what's counted. You know, it's not like there can be, you know, the most accurate census about, about that. Um, you know, and assuming it's for the 2.2 million number that amounts into about $2.5 billion in state and local taxes that these people do pay through their, through their paychecks. And it's amazing to me that, um, you know, these folks who pay the taxes are having to rely on, on three hospitality consultants who are excellent at what they do to provide them food in this moment. They can't turn to the state. They can't turn to the federal government. They can't turn to the local government. It, it, thank God for you guys. No, I appreciate that. Um, we, we feel most, we feel most for, for parents with small children because, you know, think about being a little kid, like 
I know my partners and I, none of us grew up rich, but certainly no, none of us grew up poor and, and none of us worried about like where our next meal was coming from. So the hardest part for me personally is to see uh, a mother or father having to bring, you know, their, their small children, you know, four, four, five, six years old to like uh, a parking lot to meet, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of people volunteering and, and pick up food from a truck. You know, I mean, these kids are used to going to grocery stores and, like how how do you how do you explain that to your your kids that like we don't have money for food? Yeah, I have a four I have a four year old. There's a lot of challenges of explaining many new things to him, and that's that's one thing that I don't I don't know how I would put that in language. I I, I really don't. Another incredible part of this is there's the food piece, and you're working on food justice issues and food security, but you've also created a safe space for these pickups. You've also created a sense of trust you've also created um an easier passage um and that's why the the number of families are are growing i mean you're going to hit a thousand families by the end of the summer i mean after 800 it's it's going to get hard i'm going to have to like see if our landlord will give us a space next door and like knock down a wall um but i think like 800 is 800 is where we have to like get out of this space and, and get more more room physically what else do you need to, to grow? I think that for us to grow, um, I think infrastructurally wise, we're, we're set up well. Um, you know, a lot of people want to volunteer and we constantly get messages about volunteering. Um, fortunately for us, like I said, we're rich in friends. So the, the people who volunteer with us, we've worked with for years. Like we trust them with, with every aspect of feeding these families. We know that they're just not going to show up because you know, they had something better to do. So it's really hard for us to to step outside of our, our circle because people are depending on us to eat. Um, I think for us to grow, it, it's just a matter of of this issue not going away. And I think food insecurity is something that's never going to, sadly, should not be an issue in America because there's plenty of food to feed every person in this country, you know, um, shouldn't be that way. But I think that for us to grow, we just need people to keep talking about this. And, and, you know, people like yourself helping us spread the word, the more people that hear about this and they get educated on the fact that it's honestly, it's something that a lot of people don't know that, that undocumented uh, workers play this big of a part in the restaurant industry. Yeah. If you, if you eat in restaurants, you're depending on undocumented labor. It's, it's, Definitely. Pretty easy to distill the point. So I, I don't get the sense that this work is ever going to stop for you guys. So what's the future of, uh, you know, know us without you? And how does that blend into, you know, your mission at, at Vala Hospitality? Well, currently, um, we, we applied for our 501c3 non-tax uh, exempt status very quickly, had it expedited. But with the shutdown and everything, it's dragging. So... You know, I was told like three weeks ago that we'd have it sometime early June. So I'm, I'm waiting for that because as soon as we get that, then, you know, we can write, write grant applications full time and, and try to expand this program. Uh, my partner, Damien, is like established a tutoring program and we are, you know, working on job placement right now. This is something that we want to do full time um, for the foreseeable future. Um, hospitality is going to have to change as we all know and I just don't think that the economy is going to be able to bear the the 
the cost of having, you know, bar consultants. So um, I, I don't know what our future as hospitality consultants looks like. I would love to go back to that one day. But uh, for the foreseeable future, I know my, my partner Damien and I have spoken at length that this is something that uh, we, we want to do forever. It's, it's what, it's what, it's the most joy we've got from anything ever has been to help feed people. And there are, there is hospitality in, in this kind of service work. There is hospitality in education. There is hospitality in this sort of feeding. There's hospitality in, in a nonprofit and how it, how it works. Definitely. Um, and we extend, we extend that service and, and hospitality, even in our pickups, you know, when families, um, come to pick up, they have appointments, it's very structured. They're offered, uh, water, um, through gracious donors like Pepsi and, uh, Topo Chico. You know, the first thing we ask them after greeting them is, would you like sparkling or still, you know, ice cold bottled water. We have easy up set up for shade, everything's socially distant, but, uh, there's definitely a, a very strong message of like, we are here to serve you. You know, we have three little carts where we take the food to their vehicles. Um, we're here to serve them. It's not just like, here, like, here's a handout, like, go away. We, we very much are trying to take care of them in that, you know, brief encounter, check on them, see how they're doing. Uh, yeah. Were you guys working in the social justice or food insecurity space at all before this? No, not full time. We have done uh, several fundraisers for some, some causes that we're very uh, passionate about. Uh, my fiance is the director of communications for Al Otro Lado, which provides uh, legal assistance uh, for undocumented immigrants who are either, you know, right now being detained, have their families separated or navigate, navigating the path of citizenship or asylum. Um, and when she first started, uh, volunteering for this organization, you know, we as Vala Hospitality did uh, a fundraiser for them and then uh, two more big fundraisers for them. And uh, we wanted to start a nonprofit last year, uh, just we didn't have the time and it really upsets me that we, we didn't make that happen. Um, but we, we do have another initiative that we want to launch soon to, um, to help expand this community center you know, Center for the Arts, Music, and Library in, in Oaxaca with uh, a good friend of ours who's already doing that. So we want to help her out. It's just the shutdown has has killed that because we were going to do a huge music concert at uh, Don Quixote in Bull Heights. We will do that eventually once it is safe to do so. Now the idea of a concert. So you, I mean, you guys are on fire for this. This has changed your life. It has changed our life for the better. Tell me about the, the tutoring and job placement stuff that you guys are setting out to do. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's been challenging for a lot of families because they, you know, they have the kids at home now and, you know, these kids are having to transition to, you know, going to school online. And, you know, if you think about the priority structure of bills, uh, internet's not very high when your car's getting repossessed, you can't pay your can't pay your rent and you don't have money for food. So you can imagine how difficult that is. So um, through, through the work of some amazing volunteers and um, my partner Damien, his, his girlfriend Arming, who is an educator, um, we have set up a program that has, has really helped uh, several, several dozen families that need help. Um, you know, people often 
take for granted in education in this country, but you know, and I know in countries like Mexico and, and some countries in, in Central America, the government only pays for, you know, uh, primary school. So after like fifth, sixth, fifth grade, like you, if your parents don't pay for school, you're working, you're working. So, um, you know, if you can imagine being a parent with a fourth grade education and your child's a freshman in high school, like how do you help them with their homework? You know, you guys are going to help. We have volunteers and, and different people who are educators helping us with that. It's absolutely incredible. I hope you guys have, have a minute to be proud of yourselves. It's, it's incredible, important work. Thank you. You know, when we see little kids um, every week, that's, that's probably the, the most joy we get. Um, it, makes us, it makes us really happy to, uh, to – we had a good friend donate a bunch of crayons and, and coloring books and, and different things like that. And, you know, we're getting these awesome uh, fridge drawings uh, from little boys and little girls, and it, it's so great, you know, um, none of us are, are fathers yet, so it's really cool when a, a little girl, you know, draws this amazing picture for you, and uh, yeah, that's what keeps us going, those those little kids. On your, your Instagram, you guys are often communicating the value of, of what you guys get for $33. For a $33 donation, what are you guys able to do? For $33, we can feed a family of four for one week. Um, that's like seven pounds of rice, seven pounds of beans, um, 15 dozen corn tortillas from Colonel Truth, these beautiful organic tortillas. You know, we're doing um, like zucchini, carrots, onions, potatoes, uh, beautiful citrus uh, donated from some friends and some that we buy, avocados. You know, we have flour. We have uh, pasta from Few For All, like handmade beautiful pasta. They donate pasta. We buy sauce from them to help, you know, counteract that that generosity that they've extended on us um, every family gets a family-sized casserole or secret lasagna from secret lasagna uh, you know that so far they've donated like fifty thousand dollars worth of, of family meals to us you know at, at great expense to them um, we get the families get two gallons of milk you know they get they get butter they get yogurt they get cheese I mean it's it's great sometimes we have cold-pressed juices um, you know, cantaloupes, other melons, berries, bananas, like there's, there's always, it's always changing a little bit, you know, with the season. Um, but having, having friends that own produce companies has been really important for us. $33 goes a long way. Yeah, it does. It does. And we've made it stretch because people have obviously, you know, been generous enough to us and have partnered with us. So, you know, uh, I think the last time I waited, like a few weeks ago, it was on average, it's always over 100 pounds. It's usually about 106, 108 pounds of food that every family is getting. So a week? Probably if they had to go to the store and buy all this, it probably cost about $160, $150 easy. Right. It's a, bit, it's a big expense. Um, I want to encourage all of, all of the listeners of this show. Uh, I know you guys are donating. I know you guys are active. Um, I, know, I know money is uh, a, a tough, tough commodity to come by, but if you, if you have 33 bucks. If you have $1, I'll take your $1 and we'll add it up with everyone else's $1, and it, it'll make a difference. Like this, we are not too proud to take a dollar from you know, a million people. That would be great. Every, every dollar counts when it goes to somebody's plate, when it goes to feed a family. Oton, our show is called Takeaway Only. What's your big takeaway from building and running No Us Without You over the last several months? I think as the world kind of crumbled and, and you know, the, the very 
the very problem that this country is having right now is, is a lack of leadership. And the direct lack of leadership that I've seen in our government has been replaced by an incredible, incredible sense of, of how people should lead it in our own industry. And I'm not talking about us or my partners. I'm talking about people like Cindy Thompson from Crafted Kitchen who has let us use refrigeration space and lets and has generously donated, you know, um, a oven to secret lasagna when there's broke and space to Ramsey and Tyler and Chef Mallory. Few for all, yeah. She keeps coming up on these shows. I'm going to have, I, I, I got to reach out to her. Yeah. I will connect you. She's yeah. one of our best friends and the most amazingly generous person I've ever met. And if it wasn't for her and meeting her five years ago, you know, I don't, I know that this like would not have happened. They just, we could not have grown at all. You know, um, so yes, that's my takeaway is that even though we have bad leadership overall as government, that there are people within our industry who have unselfishly stepped up to help everyone else at great expense to the, their own cause and their own bottom line. And that's what I'm most proud of. I know a lot of people who are proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for your work. I appreciate you. Know us without you. Is Thank the you, everyone. I appreciate your generosity. Thanks for being here, Aton. Thank you, Howie. Have a good day. That was Aton Nalasco. You can follow his organization's work on Instagram and donate at No Us Without You. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Free Time Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back Monday. This is Takeaway Only.